I know. This is now the cold open. No, it's not. We're not using this as the cold open. The cold open is dedicated to saying fuck the Seattle Sounders as a franchise organization and crew. And if you're down with the Seattle Sounders, fuck you too. You've said that before. We don't need to rehash it. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch Rob Combs, and then post our thoughts on the interwebs for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying another... One of our fall days is Labor Day apparently happened to be fall. Did you notice that? Like as soon as yeah. Labor Day happened, fall hit? Yeah, basically we just like summer just decided to stop working at, on September 1st. It was like, yeah, it was like overnight. It was so weird. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the first first day of sunshine we've actually had since. Uh, In the whole week. Yeah. Like, legit. In September. Yeah. And it commemorates none other than, well, the day that we're recording this, of course, is opening day of the NFL. Yeah, technically not opening day because they've had one game on Thursday night. But the yeah, real, the first, the real the opening first, day. The first NFL Sunday of the year, which that's why we're recording it in the morning before the games start here for us at noon Central Time. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> exactly. Um and then I'm going to switch over at 3 o'clock and watch the Giants take on the Padres for a doubleheader in, the, oh, nice. in a playoff run. I had no idea that they would be in a playoff run this year. And, oh, yeah. They're battling for the last wildcard spot, aren't they? Because the, No, they're, the in, they're in seventh place now out of eight. Oh, wow. The so Marlins they, are the eighth seed. Yeah, the National League is, is really yeah, after, you, after you get past, like, team three that like there there's a it falls off yeah it's basically so, la san diego and chicago. la san diego chicago cubs and then then it falls else. off yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah um this will be interesting it, yeah the uh the mariners have uh so the mariners have 20 wins this year well yeah you guys have been kind of in the running as well yeah, they're battling the Astros, who, surprise, surprise, are not good when they aren't cheating. <laughs> I saw that reminds yeah. me. I saw an image from yesterday of a of like one of those biplanes with a banner behind yeah. it flying over Dodger Stadium. Yep. <laughs> the banners, yeah. the banner said, uh, "Houston, what does it say? Houston or Astros it's cheat? A, bang bang." A, yeah, Astros cheat. Bang bang. Is like <laughs> the, the trash can. The bang, yeah, bang. I fucking love. It. I mean, fuck LA. But yeah, but that was hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious as hell. And yeah, so the but the thing is with the Mariners is that <laughs> they've played, they've won twenty games. They're like twenty and twenty four, I think, or something like that. Something like so that. Yeah. yeah. So there's got a chance to be like five hundred for the year, um, but. Eight of their 20 wins have come against the Texas Rangers. <laughs> so oh, yeah, they're, playing, they're playing a heavy, heavy like regional schedule for the six right. games. 
They're playing 10 games against each other division rivals and then uh, 20 games against other Western teams from the other. Right, right. Yeah, the whole division only play this year is weird. Yeah. So the Mariners have already played their 10 games with the Rangers. They finished them last month with the Rangers. It was just they played them like bam, 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 bam. Um, The Mariners won the first one against the Rangers, then lost two in a row, and then proceeded to sweep the next seven. (laughs) In a four-game sweep and a three-game sweep. Jesus. And so all of a sudden, the Mariners were like, at one point, they were 19 and 21, and like, knocking on the door of the second plate because it's the oh, top yeah. two teams yeah, in the yeah. division. Yeah, yeah. And then the two wild cards. And the, the Yankees were so slipping bad. too. Yeah. The Astros suck so bad that they actually have a chance at that second West team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they proceeded to play other teams other than the Rangers, such as the Giants and the Diamondbacks, and have won only Yeah, I was thoroughly team. impressed you guys did not destroy us. Like well, like there's nothing on our roster that is impressive, and I was just waiting for like our bullpen to collapse. Know. Every time I watch the Giants, I see you stripped. You just crash a homer. Yaz really is the like, he's the the bright light of that entire roster. Like watching him is incredible. He is just on an absolute tear this year. I love seeing it. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Isn't it his grandfather that's Carl mm-hmm. Shrimpkin? Mm-hmm. Yep, his great-grand... Or no, his... Just grandfather. Yeah, just grandfather, yeah. yeah. This is... Speaking of grandfathers and grandsons, we watched The Princess Bride. Jesus. This week. A story that is read by a grandfather to a grandson. That was good. That was good. Thank you very much. I, I just caught it out of the air. Solid. Uh, Solid. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so... Um, the princess bride was chosen by max Mm -hmm. uh max have have you seen this movie before and do you have any memories about this movie i have i think i've seen it twice before um the most recent was probably mm, six years ago seven years ago um i think both times i've watched it under the pretense that it was a comedy only and it was it was fine i never disliked it or anything i just you know it was like okay it's like a cult classic kind of comedy like robin hood men in tights kind of thing you know yeah or space balls or something um so and plus it's dated you know so i was like all right it's not it's not my type of comedy well this time i finally watched it under the pretense that it was a rom-com and laughed way harder than i ever had before (laughs) so and i loved the story much more i was much more involved in it so i think I, you're absolutely right. I was I was doubting you last week. I was wondering if if I had chosen correctly, if this really was a rom com and deserved to be on our list. And yes, yes, it does. Yeah, it's definitely a rom com. I've only seen it once before, but I know it very well. Um, it's just one of those things where you know, pop culture wise, it's it's mm-hmm. got a wide you know a wide range of, of grasp there. But also, um, I remember I, I don't remember exactly when. I feel like I saw this around high school or like late middle school. And I hmm. feel like I saw it as like one of those, like I was at like a co-ed party and 
and like this was like the activity that everyone decided to do. Let's watch right. a movie. Let's watch the Princess Bride. And so we were all together sounds about right. It. Yeah, and so I feel like that was my only real experience with it. And for me, though, I am not a fan of fantasy. Me um, neither. Like you know, I have not seen the Lord of the Rings. I do not want to see the Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. And then sci-fi always falls kind of into the fantasy realm as well. So I don't really watch sci-fi either. I just I, I like stories rooted in something that I feel like could actually happen in my life in in what mm. I would consider mm. real life, mm. which is why I'm a huge fan of rom-coms because I feel like rom-coms have are just the right amount of realistic and fantastic. Hmm. You know, it, it's just the right right because um, you know, love doesn't necessarily fall into laps like it does in rom coms. But at the same time, like if it's a rom com about like you know a magic spell turning you into a thirteen year old again, like in your thirty year old body, movie's probably gonna get killed by me. You know, but if it's a movie about two friends who over ten years, you know learn to fall in love with each other and then finally admit right. to, to each other you know possibly at like new year's eve you know <laughs> possibly a, a movie that was also done by the director who did the princess ride you know uh but yeah, like, yeah that right, that would right. probably be a little more up my alley you know so, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah you know i mentioned the the director let's go ahead and get into the stats yeah. for the film um so the princess bride is a 1987 American fantasy adventure romantic comedy film. It is directed and co-produced by Rob Ryder, starring Carrie Elwes. So I'm going off. I, I literally googled the pronunciation of Carrie Elwes, okay. and he said in an interview once, "It's like Elvis, but with a W." So, going with Carrie Elwes. Um, huh. Yeah, but. Uh, but it stars him, uh, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, and Christopher Guest. Andre the it, Giant. <laughs> anybody want a peanut? <laughs> uh, adapted by William Goldman from his 1973 novel, The Princess Bride, it tells the story of a farmhand named Wesley, accompanied by companions, befriended along the way. He must rescue his true love, Princess Buttercup, from the odious Prince Humperdinck. The film essentially preserves the novel's narrative style by presenting the story as a book being read by a grandfather to his sick grandson. Yeah. Did you... It's played by Peter Falk, and the grandson is played by Kevin Arnold, a.k.a. Fred Savage. Fucking Fred Savage. Who is a Chicago kid with all yep. the Chicago shit on the wall. Yeah, what's up, Chicago, greatest city of the world? I, I, I. You see his Chicago Cubs banner. He's got his Bears jersey. Yeah. I love and that. He and he ain't about that kissing stuff. So don't even bring it out. <laughs> don't you bring no kisses shit in his life. Except Chicago he wants it. He, he he does. It's okay. You can you can finish it. Uh, you, yeah. You, I don't mind ahead. it so much. I don't mind it so much right now. After after there's a legit story, and you know that the people actually are meant to be together. And it's yeah. Not so and it's not some frivolous kiss, then yeah, you can tell me about it. Yeah. You gotta earn the kiss, I'm saying. That's how we do it in Chicago. (laughs) 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 
you just Chicago fight a fucking fairy tale. Like you, took a, you earned that kiss, Prince. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You best get consent before you kiss her, motherfucker. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, interesting that you chose this film. Guess it was released in 1987, but it was released on September 25th. 1987. Interesting. Can you think of something that happened three days before that? Oh, maybe one of the most amazing people on earth was born. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, uh, I'm not going to say who, but his name rhymes with Hacks Ryan. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. That's going to be my new fucking pseudonym. Yeah. It should be your, like, gamer tag now. Hacks Ryan. Ooh. <laughs> if I ever became, like, a secret agent, that's what I would be. <laughs> Hacks Ryan, a... secret agent. <laughs> it reminds me of a Simpsons joke where Homer Simpson changes his name to Max Power. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I got the name from a hairdryer. <laughs> 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 and then... Um, <laughs> Marge is like, but Homer Simpson is the person I fell in love with. And then she's like, I don't want to snuggle with Max Power. I want to snuggle with Homer Simpson. And he goes, Max Power doesn't snuggle. You just strap in and feel the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time I talk about Max Power, I have to tell that joke because it's one of the funniest jokes. Oh my God. You strap in and feel the cheese. He helps as he say, "Feel the juice." Anyway. So this this came out three days after I was born. Yes. Yeah. This movie is as old as you. And my birthday is coming up, so it makes and sense that I chose and it. We're in the month of September. Yeah, this is coming out September third. Damn. So yeah, there was totally September a conscious 30th. decision behind this. Totally. Totally. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. Landed. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Like clockwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 33 years in the making. I had this plan from birth. <laughs> the running time of the film. How long is this film? Um, shit. It actually kept me legitimately engaged the whole time, so I wasn't actually ever conscious of the time. Uh, mm, hour 39. It is an hour 48. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, I mean, it's... It basically because it's like two story, like I guess like he goes off and leaves, mm-hmm. and then the first one is getting her the first time, right. and then and then there's the second half which is escaping from the tower and getting her the second time. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was uh, it was good. The, the movie was well received by critics at the time, but it was only a modest box office success okay so the budget of the film was 16 million dollars wow i mean with all that set design (laughs) how could it not be (laughs) Um, how much did it make in the box office um 56 a 30.9 million dollars oh yeah it wasn't a huge success in the box office Honestly, I can tell why. I feel like that was the perfect amount it should have made. And we'll talk about the movie. Okay, okay. Um, 
Over the time, the film has become a cult film. The film is number 50 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies. It's number 88 on the American Film Institute's uh, AFI's 100 Years, 100 Passions list, <laughs> which is where they just talk about like romance and other types of passions. 100 Passions? Um, yeah. Which is a list of the 100 greatest film love stories. Excuse me. What a weird uh, way to phrase it. Yeah. Casablanca is number one on that list because it's the best. Um, and then it's number 46 in Channel 4's, which is British, uh, 50 greatest comedy films list. And then mm. in 2016, the film was inducted into the National Film Registry, being deemed as culturally, historically, and or aesthetically significant. Nice. So... Didn't make a lot in the box office, but it's it's considered, uh, you know, an important piece of film and art. We've watched a couple of those now on here that have been inducted, haven't we? Yeah. Um, I have it one night, I believe, was another one. That's what I was uh, thinking, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say something. Sabrina, Sabrina was on the 100 Years, 100 Passions uh, list. Oh, was it? The yep. um, Audrey Hepburn movie? Yep. Hmm. It actually, that love story ranked higher than uh, <laughs> Buttercup and Wesley. No, this is a better love story. Uh, it's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. You can't top it. It's a fairy oof. tale. I mean, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the. So let's talk about the very beginning of the film. The very beginning. When when the story initially starts being read to young Kevin Arnold. The opening scene of riding the horses across the pasture. I mean, well, no, I mean, before that, you have the opening credits, you know, with the what would you do if I sang attitude? I'm kidding. I'm referencing the Wonder Years. yeah, I was like, what are you... Did you watch the right movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It said the Wonder Years at the beginning. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I watched it. There we go. Saved it. Um, anyway. Um, so, I mean, initially the whole farm boy, do this. Farm boy, do that. And, as, and as like, you wish. how quickly the... Yeah. But just the looks and, like, how, like, in their prime both actors were like looks wise yeah the looks they shared at that montage were legit better than nine tenths of the movies we've seen as far as like romantic chemistry yeah just their looks had more romance in them oh totally like nine tenths of the movies we've seen on like this podcast so far yeah yeah they were smoldering it was intense I loved yeah. it. It was like you didn't need any dialogue. You didn't need anything. You just needed to look at them. And all of a yeah. sudden, you're wrapped up in this moment with them. And you're like, oh, my God, please marry each other. Like, holy shit, this is intense. I, I mean, I was like, everyone's getting naked. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I prepared myself. I'm just like, I guess I'm naked. All right, somebody, oh, yeah. somebody get the cows to look the other way. It's, it's about to go down. <laughs> I don't know, just anyone within this, like, force field of, like, smolder is, like, getting naked right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like this the sex ray beam. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was intense. It was just like, damn, yeah, like yeah. yeah, they are in it, and so like so their go, their looks were were the yeah. the lead up to the Italians' kiss of leap year. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's hundred percent. That's what comes before that kiss. Yeah, it, these looks. A, yeah, it's a tie between the Italians' kiss and the looks exchanged at the beginning of this film for the most passionate yeah. thing seen on this podcast. <laughs> um, which, and the thing is for the movie, it has to be that good. It has to be that good or else the next 30 minutes dealing with Wallace Shawn just don't work. That's true. That's true. Plus it gives motivation for why we want them to be together. Like, like you said, now now we can pan away from them and go a different storyline and still care about them and want to see them again. Yeah. And the thing that this movie... I realized another thing why I wasn't like a huge fan of it the first time I saw it, because I was in high school. so And I mean, I'm seeing it like kind of in a crowd, so it's like I can't necessarily focus on it. Right. So then all of a sudden, you fast forward to... She's about to be married by the prince. Um, and then she gets kidnapped on her ride. And it's just like, then this guy in black is chasing the kidnappers. And you don't really know the guy in black is Wesley. Like, right. Or at least unless you like know. If you know, you know. But like you don't know initially. Like especially on the first time you're watching it. Mm-hmm. And so... Like with this film, it kind of has like a kid friendly vibe to it. It's like that was the that's why I think the box office take was kind of correct because I kept thinking, Who is this film for? Yeah, it does have that, it, it has like a silly kind of atmosphere to it the whole time. I mean, that's yeah. the fairy tale undertone of it, like yeah, it's, it, it's fantasy, like you said. It's just like it's taking like that whole Rob Reiner type of comedy, you know, just like the, the you know, the kind of almost like just the whole, oh, you know, absurd comedy, you know, the kind of like right. the, the like type of stuff where you're just throwing that into this fantastic love story. And it's just like, yeah, I've made there's this fantastic love story that also happens to have all these little jokes that you can throw in there and little He's like the whole Billy Crystal and Tracy Ullman bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just, you know, which is funny, but at Miracle the same Max. Time, yeah. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, I know Miracle Max. <laughs> uh, but right. uh, there you go. Another name for you. You've got Hacks Ryan and Miracle, Miracle Max. Max. There, there we go. go. I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> but it's just, I, I kept watching the film like, Unless you're like a true fan of Rob Reiner or like understand what he's doing and can view it in that kind of critical frame of mind, this film is a little bit tougher to like just based on what it's presenting. You have to like look on his different, deeper layer to appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely noticed having to go into it with a with an altered perspective to begin with. Like I had to... Yeah change my standards and my expectations and like remind myself why I was watching it this time. Like I'm watching it for the rom-com. I know it's a fantasy. I know it's a fairy tale and I know it's supposed to be silly. 
So I'm my expectations are low now. It's not supposed to be like a realish modern day rom com or anything. It's fantasy. And once I did that, I I definitely enjoyed it and got in more involved in it a lot easier. Cause you, you do really have to kind of pay attention to the the progress of the storyline. Otherwise it's just this, you know, really silly fairy tale that it's tough to get into. Yeah, because like that whole the you know chasing the kidnappers part, what it can be tough because like you're seeing the guy in black chase everything and then right, but they don't really explain it until he gets to Vizzini. When Vizzini says, "I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to kidnap what I rightfully stole it." Right, right. It's like, oh, so that's why this guy in black is chasing me. Like it's just okay, cool. You couldn't have explained if you're explaining it in dialogue. Why couldn't you have explained it initially at the clips? Yeah, the whole you're right. The, aside from the smoldering looks, the the first little bit of the movie is tough to tough to swallow. It because it's I mean, that whole chase yeah. segment is very drawn out. Very and, drawn out. It's got a lot of Wallace Shawn yelling inconceivable. And yelling yeah, God, yeah. Like, I, I, the joke wears real quick with him, um, with his voice. It's just like, uh, oh, that's. Yeah. That's that's the basis of his entire comedy. And he's and he's playing a fucking Italian. Are you kidding me? (laughs) He's a Sicilian. Excuse me, a Sicilian. Like it's even it's even worse. Like, but nonetheless, like there's, but there's still funny bits within it though too. The whole part with Inigo Montoya at the cliffs and the. in the battle afterward is fantastic like and then just the way he puts him to sleep but he doesn't kill him yeah <laughs> yeah and then, yeah, I, I love how his whole journey is centered around like doing the right thing no matter what he's not he's risking it all to find his true love but he's still being a good person about it you yeah. know he's not risking his integrity yeah but i then, love that but then he finally gets princess buttercup after he kills Vizzini. And he's rude to her. Yeah, that part confused me. It's tough because, once again, they did the same thing where they don't explain it initially, they explain it later. Right. Then you find out he's mad at her because he assumes that she's getting married willfully. Yes. And it's... Yeah. And And Like, how long did you wait to, like... The whole fucking scene they waited to tell us that. And it's just like, that makes complete sense because there's no, like, Twitter. There's no TMZ where you're just like, right. Buttercup is actually in this relationship unwillingly. <laughs> you know, like, or like, the prince, the prince, inside sources say, the prince is going to choose Commoner Buttercup to be the next queen. No, <laughs> like, but they, they do show <laughs> us that. They show us her her unhappiness. So... So so we're then now it's forcing us to remind ourselves. Oh right, he doesn't know about that, but we do. And I'm saying because this movie's set in '87 and also set in a fantastic realm, that they don't have like the type of mediums where that news could venture out. Right, 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 right. Like you know, so it's just like he just like he just hears you know from so and so and such and such that hey, Buttercup's about to get married. Right. that nah, and like so. So the way they they could have done it a little bit better is not show us her feelings, make us think the same way he does, where it's like, 
wait, what the fuck? I thought this was true love. And she's off getting married. Something's got to be up. Something's got to be up. No, because you got to, I think you keep her the same way. It's just that you don't have him be so goddamn rude initially. Maybe he's he's a little more investigative and just probing for answers rather than just being a dick. Before being pushed down the the hill, what's his end game? He's like running away, but like he's still being rude until he gets pushed down the hill and then says, as you wish, as he's rolling down the hill, she doesn't know who who he is. So what's his end game? Is he going to get her to the boat and then be like, oh, by the way, it's me, Wesley. Ha, got you. You love still? I I don't know. Yeah, that was weird. I, I just never I don't yeah. I, that part was hard. You're you're right though. There are these there are these scenes in the beginning of the movie that I think you're right made it tough for me to watch in previous showings. And I think that's why I never really got into it. I was by by the middle of the movie I was kind of like confused and bored. Mm-hmm. But once you watch it from a different perspective, like with with the kinds of perspectives that we're talking about now, I think it, it obviously makes it better, but you do have to watch it in that pretext. Yeah. Pre- pretense, I should say, not pretext. Yeah. But I, d- I did. I did really love the, the pushing him down the hill scene as you <laughs> wish. And she goes, Oh my what? dear, Wesley. And then she just fucking rolls. <laughs> and right then she rolls her. after I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is like, this is comical, but it's adorable too. Like, it's like, they're in it together now. It's, yeah, and then he can he can be lovey dovey with her. Right, else. right. All right, cool. Um, like then, yeah, then you're, it's still kind of like a bad taste in your mouth, and, I, and that's where like the second attempt to save her and get to her, right? That feels more right, <laughs> like because right. like if it just ended at that first one, then you'd feel kind of like ah oh, he he was. Throwing her down on the ground, he almost right. smacked her at one point. Like, ugh, like, well, and he he had only he had only defeated the henchman. Now he has to defeat you know the the boss man. The, yeah. yeah, which we'll get to in a second. But fucking Hubberding. That mean as far as how he defeated him too, which, um, but the torture part, I felt like that took that was kind of long. I don't know. I feel like even though it was an hour 48 minutes, this movie could have been like an hour 35. There's a lot of like downtime where he was just stuck in the pit of despair for a while. Yeah, that's true. But we do learn a little bit more about his character and how he is under duress. And And we learned that if you take the pain machine up to 50, then... Right. You hear the scream of someone who's lost their true love. <laughs> well, yeah, and that it sets up exactly for that, where we find out what kind of person Humperdinck really is. You know, like not only is he in a in a brash moment getting irrational and turning against our protagonist, but he's doing it in like the most horrendous way we know in the movie. So, like, that's what tells us finally like okay he he needs to be defeated <laughs> yeah well he also says it initially when he says that he's planning to kill her in order to start the war with, with the other right yeah side. i'm gonna i'm gonna kill her on the wedding night throw him in the pit of despair i'll kill him now too and like yeah it's like jesus dude like 
tell you. What? White people colonialism. <laughs> They're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> that was that wasn't even colonialism yet. That was like feudalism. Well, he wanted a war with them because he wanted to take over their kingdom. Yeah, that's feudalism. That's like medieval era when they were like just. They would just fight for like over dinner and shit. It was so fucking stupid. Yeah. That was back when you had those like royal <laughs> marriages and shit that were so strange. God, what a strange time humanity lived in. Yeah. Fuck. Henry the Eighth. Yeah, I, man. I remember we did a whole thing sophomore year in English on the the tutors all that sort of stuff like yeah had to learn all six of his wives and in what order and jesus which ones was... he beheaded and <laughs> well a lot of them he just basically created his own church so he could divorce them yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> just like hey uh you know this whole like god thing do you think uh, i could alter some of the things call it a different religion and then i could just you know tell this bitch to get away like <laughs> i don't have to necessarily the killer I could just say, hey, leave. Like, get out of my house. <laughs> Fucking quality human being right there. Quality get out of my human house being. Because there's this other 13-year-old girl that I'm trying to get with. A real... Because the hell it was at the time. A real paragon of the male uh, sex. <laughs> a real paragon dealing with Catherine of Aragon, you know? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Well done. Um, well done. So, I like. <laughs> I. Who was your favorite character in the film? Ooh. That's a tough question. Like, there wasn't anyone that stood out as, like, the, like, takes the cake character. I disagree. I mean, for me. Um, okay. But uh, I don't know. I I loved Mandy Patinkin. I fucking love dog. Nico Montoya is the goat of the dude. Film. Like he's I, so good. I love so many of the characters, but he is like, oh my god, he's so fucking amazing. He's is, so oh fucking amazing. You, you killed, killed my father. father. Prepare to die. Stop uh, saying that. God, he is so cool. Like when he's drunk waiting for Vizzini, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the relationship that he and Bezik have is is nice. Not it's to true. mention Mandy Patinkin's. I noticed he had a couple like physical gags in there that were that made me chuckle. Like the way he stands up from being drunk, he does a very <laughs> good job of like. Of amplifying it just enough that it's comical, but not too unrealistic. Yeah, it, I, it. The whole movie had like this whole stage play feel to it. Yeah, like Mandy Patinkin is just like you know Broadway. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's so Broadway. So like, like he could be that kind of like. Act acts of the people in the back row can like see you and feel you and know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. And like, 
and it shows through on the film. Like, and even the way that the film ends, it ends like a stage play too. We're like, you're right. It does. Tells the granddad, hey, he can read the story of tomorrow, and then he turns off the light and it goes to dark, and then they just show the credits. And it's right. Like, this is this is written like a stage play, and this is filmed like a stage play. Well, along those and lines, even with, like, even with the backgrounds that they have too, with the cliffs and everything, it all feels like a stage play. I was, I was just about to say the biggest thing that I noticed, and and we we should come back to Nico Montoya. Of he's, course, he's worth talking more about. We but uh, the one thing that I kept picking up on throughout it was the set design. So, like a lot of the rom coms we watch, first of all, aren't old enough to have real, you know, sets. And plus, yeah. rom-com isn't a genre that really requires constructed sets. But yeah. I always notice it because I love, I do love, I don't love fantasy, but I do love sci-fi. So like old Star Trek episodes, I love like looking at how they tried to construct shit in the background. Um, I would have like, if, if we still had that instead of CGI, I would have loved a career in that, like going and doing set design and stuff. That would have been so cool. But I did notice in this movie, like all the, like, the the different lengths they went to to actually create a, a fantastical set, but they didn't try to make it too realistic. They intentionally it seemed like they intentionally made it like a like a stage set. Yeah. Like it like and as they should have, where they had all these sword fights and um, you know, acrobatic moves and everything. I noticed all the times that they had the stunt doubles like twirling with swords and doing air somersaults and landing you know on their feet you could see them landing on like a you know a foam mat or something that was covered in the same kind of dust or dead grass that the rest of the terrain was covered with so like that kind of stuff that i was noticing was really cool and i was i was really enjoying watching that and like it i think it helps get into the fight scenes like it makes it like an old school like you know sword fight movie or pirate movie or a you know knights and goblins movie fairy tale movie you know like that kind of stuff it was perfect it was exactly the quality it needed to be i thought i agree like as far as like the the set design and everything yeah um and i mean and i feel like that set design helps with the initial duel that enigma montoya has with wesley yeah yeah, because uh, like they do, they go across like the bridge and back down, and they they go all around the set. Then like they built it really well in that piece, like for that that battle. But just the dialogue that they have when he's climbing the climbing the cliffs, <laughs> yeah. and like the way that he's warming up, like an ego's warming up, just like the you know doing the little fencing, like jumps back and forth. <laughs> and then he goes and looks back like, down and. Yeah. Not hurrying up, you know. I, I I'm not. I, I hate waiting for things. <laughs> and then, of course, he promises on the soul of his dead father. And that's when we learn about his, his mission. Yes, his mission, and how when he was 11, he tried to kill the guy and didn't work out. Got but, got scarred. And he got the scars on his cheeks. Um, I mean. Which I think it's cool, like, at the end when he kills uh, the guy. I forget the guy's name. Um, the Count. The Count. Yeah, I don't remember his name either. Count yeah. something. Yeah, when he, uh, Count Rugen. 
That sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, when he kills the count, and he actually he hits him on the cheek on both cheeks. Yeah. He gives him the scars. I also love his his final dialogue of like, "Offer me money." <laughs> like he's yeah. he's just yeah. intimidating the shit out of a louder and louder. My name yeah. is Inigo. My toy. Offer me money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Offer me, offer me everything." And he's like, offer, and he's like, you have anything you want? He's like, I want my father back. And he kills him. You son and of a bitch. And then he runs and him like, through. And the, but the thing is, when he kills him like that and he says that, he is almost like, it's almost like the spirit of his dad was stuck inside the count. And when he kills him, that spirit is released. And in a way, he is getting his father back by killing him. Hmm. But now that he has his father back, he doesn't know what to do with the rest of his life. That's the real what happens after ever after. Like, what, <laughs> what happens to an ego Montoya? Ego Montoya after this film. <laughs> that's a real question. I think that's Personally, fair. I feel like he devotes his time and efforts toward finding a wife. I think so too. I and think he settles down and gets content. Actually, that's not true because Wesley is the dread pirate Roberts. And he asks Inigo Montoya, which is something I didn't notice the first time I watched. Ooh, the yeah, I didn't notice that either the first time. He asked him about, "Have you thought about being a pirate?" And so Inigo Montoya becomes the new Dread Pirate. Roberts. There you go. There you go. That's what ends up happening. But at the same time, I feel like Inigo does that for a few years, but he starts getting a little lonely and realizes he would like a wife of his own. Maybe and that's so, how he that's how he meets the wife. And, she's a she wants a, to create a son who loves him the way he loved his dad. Oh, there you go. There. there you go. And so after a few years of pirating, there's one particular wench that he decides not to brutally rape as a pirate. Jesus. But I actually went. You know, no, no, no. Good. I I see him, <laughs> I see him being just like uh following in uh Wesley's footsteps. He's a good pirate. Yeah, kind of a Robin Hood pirate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he he shacks up with a pirate queen that he meets on the high seas. I like it. Yeah. That's yeah. And, they settle and Fezzik, on it. A... Fezzik is is a you know a shipmate. Yeah. Then yeah, Fezzik Fezzik yeah is along with him so. <laughs> Uh, treasure ho! <laughs> yeah, Fezzik carries all the treasure they find. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I love it. I this mean, is perfect. Andre the Giant. Was, it was just, he was amazing. Just a fun little change-up on the film. Like, exactly. It's just, it's just like, yeah, he's just another pitch. You know, another pitch you can throw. Yeah. Well, you yeah, needed yeah. that. You needed some. You needed something different. It's And it's perfect because it's supposed to be a fairy tale anyway. So it's like, mm-hmm. fuck it, we need a giant. I mean, and also just you have these two main guys in Wesley and Inigo that can just like throw out these quips real quick and like all this dialogue and everything else like that. And they, you know, they're very dry and they're, you know, everything else. And then so having Fezzik there is just the, another way of just putting out jokes in a different manner where it can be a little more broad and just like, anybody want a peanut? And you're laughing at his yeah. voice and you're laughing at you know what he's saying but he's saying it with just like this everyone's in on the joke kind of vibe right yeah so yeah he's around to remind you that this is lighthearted and and a silly movie 
Um, the let's talk about the ending of the film, like when they stormed the castle and everything else like okay. that. So, I I personally dug it because I'm into like the Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen. Oh, totally, totally. Vibe of the whole. Anytime uh, you can intellectually defeat an opponent, oh yeah. And so, like, yeah, they trick him with the by running away from the castle gate, <laughs> um, and just the way that he, the way that Andre the Giant just carries Carrie Ellis, yeah, <laughs> the whole time. Um, and then, yeah, and Eagle Matoy when he first sees the count, the count runs away, which is you know hilarious, a common, a common thread within that kingdom too, because. Later on, we see the prince kind of do the same thing. Right. Um, and, of course, Fezzik, just when he knocks down the door, like, I just, the way that Patikin is just running into that door. <laughs> and he keeps going. Out. Like, Fezzik yeah, is coming, he's like, and he's just still running yeah, into it. Like, Fezzik! <laughs> well, because, I mean, that it's because he finally has within like his fingertip touch yeah possibility of accomplishing something he's been trying to accomplish for 20 years yeah he finally found the guy too like he finally identified him finally found him Mm -hmm. yeah you're gonna have that kind of reaction where you're just like that's it get here now like i i need this yeah yeah (laughs) so that and then, of course, he just comes in and literally just, like, punches it once and is like, there you go. And then he gets, <laughs> then he gets, he runs after him and gets stabbed. Or gets, stabbed. Yeah. But he, he comes back right with the Negro Montoya and you kill my father prepared to die. And he musters up the courage. Even then, the, the physical gag of him, like, mustering up courage and being suddenly invincible and standing upright and about to stab the guy and then all of a sudden out of nowhere falling. Like. To use a, to use a, uh term that Andre the Giant would would know. He hulked up. <laughs> like Hulk That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He used the motivation. I loved that message. He's like, <laughs> I'm gonna overcome it. In the back then you can hear, I am a real American <laughs> for the Spaniard and Eagle Um anyway, so but then while that whole thing's happening Wesley disappears and then ends up in the bed of Buttercup. It's just like, yeah, what happened there? <laughs> That's the thing. So let's talk about it. It's like, did I miss something? <laughs> did he just it. appear so, there? So one, Buttercup, first off, really like dark joke where she's just like, this is the last time you'll see me because I'm about to kill myself. And the king is like, so see now. It's like, oh, well, good to see you. I'm like, yeah. That whole thing, which was odd. Yes. <laughs> um, also, let's just let's just talk about before we even go further from there. Let's talk about him now. Let's just get him out of the way. Everyone loves the preacher. I don't. Why? I, was, I never thought it was funny. I never thought it was funny. He creeps me the fuck out, and like and, his his weird lisp and everything is strange. Yeah, like, and everyone. Yeah, and so everyone like when they try to say something funny about the Prince's Bride, they'll go whoop true of i never thought it was funny yeah never thought yeah i mean when he said it i was like oh fuck that's right that's where this is from yeah but uh, it wasn't didn't make me laugh didn't make me laugh and it's not memorable to me other than you know 
just everyone else bringing it up. Anyway. Maybe so that's maybe it. that's, that's it. it. Maybe we were too overexposed to it. Maybe everyone yeah. else was, was I mean, wrote I, it. Just someone saying something incorrectly annoys me more than makes me laugh, which is yeah. You know, just the that's English that major. that's the English major in you. I was just about <laughs> yeah, to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, so yeah, that whole so that Buttercup's literally about to kill herself, grabs the dagger, and then Wesley says, "You know, oh, it's quite a perfect breast. I'd hate to." See, there's a shortage two. yeah there's a shortage yeah. of perfect breasts in the world. i mean it's like yeah just like oh cool quip about her tits man <laughs> like when, yeah she's yeah. literally going to kill herself and you're just gonna coolly be like yo but the tits though he's paralyzed <laughs> she's killing herself and he's just like yo your tits are perfect <laughs> just... also i'm here bitch <laughs> i'm just i'm just I feel like an alternate line reading would just be like, from the back, he's just like, no, not the titties. <laughs> no, anything but the titties. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Because the last we see him is he's, like, propped up against the the suit of armor, right? By Fessick. Yeah. As Fessick yeah. runs off to help Iganigo Montoya bust down the door. Yeah, and then he's sitting in the bed, and... He's and then all of a sudden he's on the bed yeah. in a way where you think he's bluffing. But then at the end he says, drop your sword when he stands up. But then he almost falls down after that. Yeah. And it's just like, is he or is he not still paralyzed? Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? I think, here? I think it was another example of, of like an ego Montoya where it's like, he's, he's around his true love. Humperdinck comes in and now he finds extra motivation. Yeah, but then how did he get the extra motivation when he, well, I guess, like, he, it, somehow he knew what room she was in. And out of all the fucking hallways he could have gone down and found her room and sat in her bed and it was like, she's going to be here. I'm thinking Fessick found it and put him there. No, because he goes back and he's like, where'd he go? Oh, that's Fessick, right. Yeah, Fez was like, oh, shit, he's not here. Oh, that's right. So the whole time, we should have, as an audience, been assuming he can move. Yes. But I didn't pick up on that. But then he drops again toward the end. They're just like, yeah, he can't really move right now. It's like he was, he was dead right here. He's like, what the fuck? Like, that, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of intricate dialogue you have to pay attention to. That's a continuity issue there. It's just yeah. like, that's kind of tough to get over. But And then, of course, like the fantastical ending where they all four somehow jump down from the window and land on the horses and then ride the horses up. Well, the three of them. Yeah. But like, yeah. Um, that was, I, mean, I thought that was cute. That was like a fairy tale. Yeah, well, you see Fezzik catch one of them. Yeah. You see him catch Buttercup, but then you assume he catches the other two guys while Humperdinck is just tied to a chair. His whole comeuppance for almost starting a war is getting tied to a chair. Tied to a chair. And for all we know, he's into that sort of thing. So, what also happens after ever after is that the prince is released from the chair, and he blames Buttercup's absence on the other country anyway, and gets the war he wanted to start. Oh, so now we have like Helen of Troy situation. Yes. Cool. We all know how that worked out. Yeah. So. That's also what happens ever after. It's like, so 
in the end, this true love story does not solve, like, yes, you get to see true love, but also the greater good, which is the population of the kingdom, are all now stuck in a war hey, that has started hey. by their prince who, you know, is nefarious and was not killed, but left alive when really he probably should have been done with. It'd be like if he had a shot on... Oh, man. I shouldn't say that. We don't know who's listening. No, man. Um, no, man. No, we're not going to. We're not going to go further with that. But no, um, true love. True love transcends human politics, man. So, <laughs> this, yeah, I, it transcends human bound, human earthly politics, man. It doesn't matter what happens to the kingdom as long as they end up together. Well, anyway, the kiss of the film. Yeah, which is the kiss? It's got to be the ending because they talk about it as being the greatest kiss to have. Oh, inside. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's got to be the last kiss. And the last kiss is okay. It's okay. I, I'd give it a solid like, B. You, can see, you see the set behind them, like, and it's just like nice lighting. And yeah. they, they move their mouse a little. It's a kind of an odd angle, but it's nice. I, I give it a B as well. But yeah. it ain't no top five kisses of all time bullshit. Like, no Italian here. kisses. No, not, not the Italians kisses. Not the Italians kisses. No. Nope. Not even, not even Renee Zellweger kissing Tom Cruise on the fucking porch. Nah. But she, nah. she wants it. Oh, that was a good kiss. It was. It was. God, that was a good kiss. Fuck, that was a good kiss. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You pair that kiss with the Italians kiss and the electric chemistry from the first few minutes of this movie. And oh, yeah. we got ourselves... A potent ass movie. <laughs> Got himself babies. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so verdict of the film. Mm. I'll go first. All right. I think this film is a solid fuck. Like you should definitely watch this film once. I would say the older you are, the more you'll understand it, and the better it'll be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it is definitely a film that everyone should see and know about. And along the same lines of like it happened one night or like other films that we've liked, like it's just, it's good to watch. So, you know, the references from here on out. Exactly. Along with everything else. So yeah, that's a fuck. I would agree. It's a solid fuck for me. Um, I would have to watch it a few more times. I might over time reconsider it and, and marry it. I, there were a few moments during it I thought about it. I really liked it. But I'd have to watch it again to really be sure. So as of now, it's it's definitely, like you said, everything you said, it's worth watching once to get the cultural references. And for me personally, I, I liked the silliness of it and the cute romantic storyline within it, the fairy tale storyline, and the, the good messages that went along with it that about, you know, following your heart and true love and you know all the good wholesome fairy tale fail that fairy tale morals so and asking people if they desire a peanut (laughs) it's always important to ask (laughs) because some people might have allergies you know you never know yeah exactly uh so that's our review of the princess bride you can follow us on instagram at bromancing the stone podcast uh, that's all one word together bromancing the stone podcast on instagram 
uh, Bro the Stone Pod on Twitter. And that's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. Twitter. Uh, and then you can follow myself on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So S U P R Market Sweep. Uh, and then you can also follow me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88. Then Max. You can follow me on Instagram at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Perfect. Oh, and actually, you can also follow me on Twitter ask. if you want. Yeah, it's I, like a I created a I created a Twitter account this week, really only just to follow like up to date news on like the playoffs for baseball and like um, yeah. like beat writers yeah. and stuff like that. Just so I. Follow comedians too, because you can get good jokes off on on Twitter. But you can find good jokes and stuff. I I, I mostly just wanted it for the the news updates, but um, yeah. but yeah, I, as I'm on there longer, I'm expanding my my horizons. So if you if you feel compelled to follow me, I don't post really, but you're welcome to if you'd like. My handle is that the term? Uh, your yeah, the handle. My, my Twitter handle. God, that sounds weird to say. I don't like this. I'm going to get rid of it. Fuck it. <laughs> um, my Twitter handle is the Lionhearted, but instead of a period, it's an underscore. So it's D-H-E, uh, no, not period, un- underscore L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. There you go. And uh, next week, it's my choice for a film. It is. It is. It's also the day before your 33rd birthday. Oh, when it comes out, you're right, yeah. When the episode comes out, it'll come out the day before your birthday. That'll be the first day of fall, too. Yeah. And there is there is a friend of ours who's been on the show before. We call him the Reese Witherspoon expert. You're really going to poison another episode with Matt Thompson for my birthday? He wants to join in on your birthday. We want to together be here for like have a birthday party. So more than one other person. So I don't understand how this is a present. Legally blonde. God damn it. Starring Reese Witherspoon. And Matt Thompson will be joining us for the episode. Worst worst birthday present ever. (laughs) I'm glad you're already getting your jokes in. So (laughs) next week. We'll be watching Legally Blonde and celebrating your Larry Bird. My Larry Bird? Yeah, he wore number 33. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I guess clever. Right. <laughs> I know. That's whenever I play craps at the casino or everything and like say the number is six and they're trying to roll a six, I always like to bet the hard way so I can win extra money on it. And the hard way means doubles, so like a three and a three. So, like, if it's a four and a two or a five and a one, I would lose technically on that bet. Mm-hmm. So, I'll bet the hard way along with, like, betting that they'll hit the six. And then every time they throw the dice, I'll go, come on, Larry Bird, Larry Bird, you know. All right, all right. Yeah, that's a, that's a little thing. So, so, legally fucking blind. All right, I'm finally going to watch this movie. Blind. I've never legally watched blind it. next week. And until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. We thank you for listening. And we will catch you next week. Love you guys. Stay safe.